Super Bowl Sunday, everybody. Welcome to Basement Sports Podcast number 41. So, Super Bowl today, and we got to talk T.J. Watt. Did he get screwed? Maybe we'll talk a little bit of Penguins, but hey, it's Super Bowl Sunday, so we're talking football. Welcome to the podcast. Duty, how's it going? I'm good, everybody. What's up, my bitches? Get ready for this one. Um, I don't care about either team. Uh, I don't like Tom Brady. So I'm let's go Chiefs. Of, I'm kind of rooting for the Chiefs because I just want yeah. Tom Brady to go. I away. bet on and I bet on the Chiefs, so I got to root for him. Yeah. We'll talk about that toward the end of the podcast. We'll post our official pick on Twitter and Facebook. You know, hopefully, we can you know finish the football season with a bang. But before we get into the Super Bowl, let's talk about this Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Aaron Donald beat out uh, T.J. Watt. And I got to be honest with you, I, I wasn't, I won't say shocked that that Aaron Donald won the award. I'm, I'm not, not either. I'm not shocked. But what I'm shocked is, is how the disparity in the voting. Yeah, like, he that's, wasn't, that's he wasn't close. Like, it wasn't close. And, I'm, you know, and I know you can get into the minutiae of arguments about, well, you can't look at compare stats because... You know, he's an edge rusher versus an interior lineman, and you can't compare those things. Okay, well, Aaron Donald gets double and triple team. Well, you know, so did T.J. Watt. As um, soon as Bud Dupree went out, soon as Bud Watt Dupree, yeah, team. he got double teamed, and he still put up hellacious stats. So I, I don't, I don't blame you know. And as a pit guy, I'm happy to see Donald win another award. But I mean, he's definitely locked himself in as a future Hall of Famer. I think he's already a first ballot Hall of Famer. Well, listen, if there's one person you can argue about this whole season, the whole defensive player of the year war, it would be, it would be Aaron Donald. Yeah, I know. That's it. I know. That's the only excuse you could possibly come up with. The only other name that's even in the same sentence. Yeah. But, but the thing is, is that I, just the discrepancy in the voting, like that, that it wasn't even close. Like it was like a lot of these voters didn't even consider and, and some, some didn't even vote for what? Like he didn't even. Right. There were some he didn't even get votes, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, is this becoming like the the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame voting, you know, or, or just All Star game? Oh yeah, my just God, name only. Yeah, well, but, you, you know, know I, you know what I of think the, of the media. You know what I think of the media. I think most of them are a bunch of schmucks. But go ahead. I'm I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Well, Aaron Donald has been the the name on defense for several years now. They're on the West Coast. I don't know how where the voters are spread out, but how many of the people in L.A. watch a Pittsburgh game at, you know, eleven o'clock in the morning or right. ten o'clock in the morning? So I don't, I don't know. But Aaron Donald is unblockable. Yeah. Watts unblockable. What the award means, I don't know if he had something in his contract that he got some more cash. Maybe T.J. Watt, if he didn't want it, it means nothing. It's like no. making the Pro Bowl. Who cares? Right. Sure. So I'm like, I don't have a problem with it. If it would have been anybody other than Donald, I'd have a real problem. The, the only thing they do with that is they act like with that in the Pro Bowls is they can say when it comes contract time, hey, I was the defensive player of the year. I've won. I've been to this many Pro Bowls, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's all it really they is. Lock, they should lock him up regardless. He well, I, I, no, no shit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and then that comes into the discussion about. You know about Bud Dupree and what they're going to do with Dupree. I still think even with the injury, they're not going to be able to afford him. Uh, you know, they don't not, have the cap room. No, they don't have the cap room. And you know what? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not disappointed in Alex Highsmith. 
I'm really not. No, For not a rookie season, I think, honestly, I think Alex Highsmith had a better rookie season than Bud Dupree had a rookie season. I really do. Well, yeah. I don't remember Dupree's rookie season as much. I just know that when he's not playing for a contract, he didn't play nearly as well. Right. Now the injury may let Dupree come back at a cheaper price for a year, or maybe, for a year, maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe one more. Right. But again, I don't expect Juju to be back when it comes down to the salary cap. Didn't they already, did they wave Connor? No, he's still there. He's, yeah, he's going to be gone. Yeah, he's going to be. I mean, there's no, they can't waive him because he doesn't have a contract. So it's like, you know, okay. he's, just, so he's, he's, not an, un, he's an unrestricted free agent. He's unrestricted. Yeah, so yeah he's I, not going to get signed. And then it, They're up know, against the cap. So unless right. Ben realizes that maybe he can retire and save him 20 mil, then you might get Dupree back. Right, right. So let's look at this. So let's look at Bud Dupree's, uh, Bud Dupree's rookie season. Okay. He had uh 26 he had 26 tackles, nine nine assisted tackles, um four sacks, no interceptions, you know, for for zero return. Okay. So How many games? Did it say how many games he hold played? On. In? Let me let me let me dig into that a little harder. Hold on. Hold I'm on. just wondering because he only had 26 tackles. So I'm guessing he didn't play or 10 games. Yeah. Let me see here. So for, he played in 16 games his rookie year. All right. So 26 okay. tackles, horrible. Yeah. We, had, we don't know how many, how many snaps he actually played, but. Let me see if I can pull that up here. Um, games. He played in 16 games. He started five. All okay. Right? That's it. So 16 so games started, started five. We don't have the number of, of snaps, but. 26 combined tackles, 17 solo tackles, nine assists, four tackles for loss, six quarterback hits, okay, and four sacks. So let me let me go over to Alex Highsmith. And we'll, you know, I, I think that I just, I just want to compare because he certainly, you know, he got more starts as the year went on. But so here we go. So he had well, some of that was out of necessity. Right. So Alex Highsmith, again, 16 games. He started five games. So similar to Bud. He had yep. one interception. Um, he had 48 combined tackles, 30 solo tackles, 18 yeah. assists, also five tackles for loss and two sacks. Yeah. So, so that's you know, better than Dupree. That's better than Dupree. You know, and, and, and I like the kid's attitude. You know, we don't know what's going on in the, in the, in the club offices and what they're thinking, you know. And that's, that's why I always amuse myself by looking at mock drafts that they can think of what the Steelers are thinking. You know, yeah, and we're going to – look, we're going to have a huge draft podcast, okay? We're going to have a big draft podcast. Duty, myself, hopefully we can get a couple of guests come on and give their thoughts – and then we always enjoy doing the 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 post draft analysis, you know. So yeah, we do. We yeah. spend a lot of time, yeah, on looking up draft picks and watching some tape. And right, I can tell you, we're pretty good at you're we're saying really who's good. who, who's going to be good and who's going to be a flop. Yeah, I mean, you 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 were right on the money with with some last year. I was, you know, the one that I praised that I liked the most, and I think really bore fruit was Kevin Dodson. 
I told you, he I love that. I, I love that. You liked pick. him much better than I did. Yeah, but he turned out. I just out, thought. I just thought he needed. A, I, he needed a ways to go and pass protection. Yeah, but what was so funny in Pro Football Focus of all the rookie yeah. offensive linemen, he was the number one ranked pass protector out of anybody. So. Yeah, I thought that boy should have been in like every third and short. There's no doubt about it. He's a grader. Well, he is. Either that or putting him put him in have a, a nasty streak. Put, put him in at fullback. Let him get a running mm-hmm. start at somebody. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Well, actually, that's not a bad idea. No, it's not a bad idea. I really, I, I don't think Pittsburgh so. Wouldn't do it, but that's not a bad couldn't idea. Have, couldn't have done any worse than Derek Watt. That's for sure. But anyway, oh, you know, Derek Watt couldn't stay healthy either. Um, but you know, Bud Dupree probably gone. Uh, Juju probably gone. James Conner probably gone. Uh, as I was talking to Chris Carter uh, on the last podcast, uh, you know, thinking about defensive back for the Steelers and how, who are they going to keep? You know, you've got Cam Sutton, you've got Hilton. Um, you're not. You're not keeping both Hilton you, and Sutton. No, no. I. I prefer Sutton. I got to be honest with you. I think I like Hilton a little better. Okay. Yeah, we'll see what they do. I mean, look, we don't even know what the salary cap is going to be yet this year. We don't know. They're still talking about that. So we don't know what Roethlisberger is going to do as far as his contract. You know, is he he going to? We don't know how much money they're going to have. No, we have no idea how much money. But I can tell you for a fact, the one area they need to address is their offensive line. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, Pouncey's, there's a good chance he's going to retire. Yep. Uh, DeCastro, you know what? <laughs> get healthy. He's still okay. Get healthy. You know, he wasn't healthy all year. Um, get healthy and come back. You've got Dodson. Uh, Villanueva's gone, so they're going to need, yep. you know, they're definitely going to need a, a new left tackle. Um, I'm really, really high on, uh, on, on Leatherwood, that kid from Alabama. He's been in a few mock drafts. The Steelers picking him up first. Um, but the I don't Ste- think he's going to be there that long. But the Steelers, the thing with the Steelers and what they tend to do is they like to draft linemen that have some position flexibility. They like yep. to, you know, guys who are able to move around to different positions on the line. And that gives them that gives them the flexibility. If somebody gets hurt, they can move somebody over and then put somebody in their spot. Well, that works for the center and guard position. OK, yeah. but I don't like a guard going moving out to the left. No, tackle. no, I, I agree. I agree, you know, but, but, but I mean, they need a left tackle. Yeah, they do. Because, because even if Villanueva was coming back, I think they would, he'd get cut or waived. I I don't think, I think there's only going to be the, for as far as what I've seen so far before the combine, I only like the kid from Oregon will be a top five pick. Yeah. And that kid from Alabama. Right. Um, Right. I don't know too many more that are going to be worth a mid twenties selection or a 20th selection. But here's here's the question. You're, you're the offensive linemen, the top offensive linemen are gone. All right. By yeah. the time the Steelers, and they pick. probably will be. And Harris is sitting there, the running back from Alabama at their pick. They grab. Obviously, him. they don't value that very much because they could have had Dobbins last year and they didn't want him. Yeah, but but this is a different dynamic this year. So they, they, their starting running back is going to be gone, most likely. So I I don't know, you know I don't know how much they trust McFarland and. Um, well, you know, they did draft one last year. Yeah. Um, I, I, honestly, what I'd like to see them do is eliminate that by signing a decent free agent. Yeah. Running back, a veteran. 
uh, and share the workload. Get get some veteran that you know can help in pass protection. Right. He might not be the best catcher out of the backfield, uh, but get somebody that's good that can pick up blitzes. He's been doing it for years. Right. Split the carries between him and McFarlane and the kid from Kentucky that you like that I don't. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, that's that's what they're going to do. You don't need a bell cow. No, but I don't think Benny Snell can be. I don't. I just he can't. I don't think he can be an every down back. I, just I don't, don't either. That's I, what I'm I saying. Sign yeah, another yeah. free agent until you get hurt. Until you get. If you want to take one in the seventh round, maybe a speed guy or a guy that's just strictly a pass catcher, come in and play third down. I think you go running back by committee, but I don't see them drafting a running back, even one as good as him, a kid out of out of Alabama. I don't see him drafting him in the first the round. Thing that, the thing that I read about, and I, I saw the review on him um, and what what this, what might be really, really attractive to the Steelers about him, two things. Number one, he's pretty decent out of the backfield as far as catching passes. And number two, the review on him was is that he is way ahead of a normal running back when it comes to pass protection. He's, he's pretty damn good. That's what they so, need with – yeah. Statue Ben. That's what they need because Ben, if he comes back for this year, and I think he is, I do too. Um, he's not moving, you know, and and it's going to be interesting. I mean, there's so much, there's so much shit that's going on, you know. Now you have Matt Canada as their offensive coordinator, you know, and and there's been a lot of changes in the coaching staff. Butler is going year by year on defense, you know. So I'm curious as to what's going to happen, you know, because from what has been reported. When the Steelers were having their success, they were running a lot more of Matt Canada's ideas. And then Ben got tired of it and he didn't want to run it anymore. And then they went back to what they were doing before. And now you're thinking, okay, so how is this relationship going to go now that Ben's boy Feekner is gone and the offensive coordinator is Matt Canada? You know, is, is, is Ben going to do the typical shit that he always does? Is like he's going to have a call he's, and he's going to go yes. up to the line and change it. You know, yes. yeah, and go back to the same shit that he always does. Yep, he is. He absolutely is. Why change now? It's his last year. Right. But on defense, you know, look, on defense, the Steelers, you know, possibly, as you mentioned, maybe Bud Dupree signs for another year. If not, you've got Alex Highsmith on the outside. Um, also, uh, you know, Devin Bush is going to be back on the inside, but is Vince Williams going to be back? Um there's going to be some moving parts, but I think the core of the defense that gave them success, you've got Watt, you know, you still have Joe Hayden, you've got Steven Nelson. Uh, the, the core of that defense is still intact, but what killed the Steelers this year really was their offense. And, and they've got to make some significant changes along the offensive well, line. They've got to be able to run the ball. And injuries on defense. Yeah. Yeah. Injuries. I mean, they steal. If the Steelers were still had, Bush and Dupree and all their defensive guys back, they could have won games. Yeah, just defense, just defense alone. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Right. And that's why I'm you. You mentioned uh, their their defensive coach. Yeah, Keith Butler. Yeah, why is he only on a one year deal? Like, why would <laughs> I don't understand why they don't like that guy? Well, I think mostly from what I understand, Tomlin was making a lot of the defensive calls. Oh, and okay. And so, you know, then you might but, as well put me in there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we could sit there and call ourselves a defensive coordinator, and you know, we're sitting there with our thumb in our ass because we're not making the calls. Uh, maybe Steve, I know a call we wouldn't have made on third and sixteen <laughs> with no time left on the clock against Oakland. We wouldn't have went man to man across the board. 
Or how about Green Bay in the playoff game in the NFC Championship game against uh, Tampa Bay at the end of the half? That defensive yeah. call. Let's just go one on one, no safety help. Hey, let's talk a little bit about um, you know, we talked about TJ Watt getting screwed, but let's talk about the Hall of Fame class that's coming in. Alan Fanica finally gets the call. Drew uh, Pearson. You know, Drew Pearson gets the call. And that's that one's another one that's way overdue. Uh, look, those uh, yeah. two players right there, yeah. they, I, I wouldn't be bothered if they both went, yeah, you know what, we're not going. should have <laughs> been in 10 years After ago, what but. happened. Yeah, after what yeah. happened. But also, Thanks, douchebag. Put the plaque in there, but I'm not I'm not going. I think that, too, uh, and I know a lot of Steeler fans and a lot of Steeler historians were really happy to see Bill Nunn get, get, get in finally uh, posthumously uh, because – you know, when you look back, I love, love, love watching some of those documentaries on NFL Network and yeah. hearing about the Steelers of the 70s and how really Bill Nunn as the scout was the one that went to these small um, uh, black only colleges and pull, pulled, you know, players like Donnie Shell, like Mel Blunt, like Joe Green, well, like, you know, I mean, you know, he was the first guy. They didn't have a senior bowl back then. Yeah. So he was the first guy that did like every coach in the league does now. Right. He did that. He yeah. went to every conference, like every division one, two and three game that most people just went and saw the sec or the big 10 or whatever you want to say about it. Or USC kids. Yeah. Um, that kid, that guy was the first guy to go scout. Like you said, smaller division three schools or just predominantly all black schools, but he actually did a scouting combine like they do now way back in the seventies. Well, it, it's, uh, you know, you, I remember when I was a kid, I had this book, my dad got me, you know, and it was like for a particular year, you know, all the players of the NFL, you know, and you could look at their profiles and read all this stuff. And I remember back then looking at the profiles of all these Steelers and I look at the school that they went to and I'm like, huh? What's guy? That's not Alabama. You know, that's not Notre Dame. That's not Penn State. You know, it's like I, these schools I had never heard of. Like, you know, Pittsburgh Culinary Institute. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, you know, Tennessee, A&T and N or something like some some, you know, these small schools. But these players turned out to be Hall of Famers. And, yep. you know, and if, if nobody has seen the um, the football life of Joe Green, do yourself a favor, pull it up on YouTube and watch it because it's just, it's, it's great. It's great television seeing the backstory of Joe green and where he came from. And he did, he, I got to tell you, he earned that nickname mean Joe green. He was, he was nasty on the offense on a defensive line. He really was. Yeah. And the only thing that bothers me about these hall of fame horse shit is they wait so long. I mean, I think there's no reason they couldn't have put not only in before he died, yeah, I know. And Bill Nunn was so way overdue, way I mean, overdue. Even like, why? How the hell is Drew Pearson and Fanica not yeah, in already? I, I, yeah, they had a heart attack and died two years ago. They wouldn't have known it. Yeah, Drew Pearson. You know, I remember watching Drew Pearson as a kid. You know, there was nobody but like that. When here's here's what I I think about with Hall of Famers. And again, look, granted, you're going to have to have the stats. You're going to have to have the stats. But if you look back and read the records and watch tape, even look at old interviews, when you're a player that the opposing coach has to game plan around, okay, you're, that, that is a step up. You know, so Drew Pearson, a defense had to game plan around him. 
you know, and making sure well, that you I'm stop. I'm going to tell you right now, and I don't know this for sure, and you might be able to look it up. I think Drew Pearson has better stats than Lynn Swan for his career. Oh, he does. I don't even have to look that up. I don't have Not to even look that close up. in my book. But Lynn Swan made some circus catches, uh, and he did it in the and you know in the Super Bowls. He did it when it, in the playoffs when it counted. But Drew Pearson was uncoverable for several for many years. So, so let's let's go through these real quick. So Lynn Lynn Swan, all right. Um, he played in 116 games, started 96, had 336 receptions. 5,462 yards, 16.3 yards per reception, 51 touchdowns. Okay, we'll just try to keep that in our head as, as best yeah. we can. So I'm going to look up Drew Pearson. And I just, you know, 5,000 yards, I remember that. Yeah. 16 yards per catch. Yeah, around 5,000 yards and 5,000 yards, 16 yards per catch. Now I'm going to look at Drew Pearson's. So Drew, Drew Pearson's career, 156 games, 143 starts, 489 completions, 7,822 yards, 16 yards per reception, and 48 Thanks. touchdowns. More, 2,000 more yards. Right. And he had over 200 more catches. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah, Lynn Swan was, oh my God, he's got to be a Hall of Famer. Well, you know, well, he what? was, I thought, I honestly, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm not blowing smoke. I, at the time, I thought Lynn Swan was iffy. Me I thought too. he was and iffy. Compared to, I even think Stallworth had better numbers than Swan. Stallworth did have better numbers. Like, you could compare, you know, it's a more even comparison to compare Drew Pearson and John Stallworth. Yeah. And, and right. Stall, Stallworth was just, you know, he, I, I always thought he was a better receiver than, Swan, but Swan made those catches, those iconic catches in big games. The and right, you, perfect time. Perfect time, and and he just, you know, he also he also had a a a, a Super Bowl MVP. Uh, that helps. Although I'll still go to my grave thinking that John Stallworth should have been the MVP of Super Bowl fourteen against the Rams, but you know that's that's neither here nor there. But you know these guys. Look, they were legendary players. I'm happy Drew Pearson finally got in. I'm really happy Alan Fanica finally got in. I think he was also overdue. There was, he was. He, you know, there was, I mean, he was just absolutely dominant when he was in there. When you have a guy like Ray Lewis coming out and saying that it's a crime, that Alan Fanica wasn't in the Hall of Fame because Ray Lewis always said, I hated facing Alan Fanica. Well, because, not only him, but you look at, you know, every time they, he got, looked over for this voting and every ESPN member, Mike and Mike on ESPN, all the, all the big sports talk shows, they would always have defensive players on and every single one of them linemen, defensive linemen. They're like, dude, the fact that Fanica is not in the hall of fame is ridiculous. They yeah. said he, you could not get around them. Right. Right. You Once could. he got his hands on you, you're done. Yeah. You couldn't knock, you couldn't bull rush him, you couldn't get around him. Yeah. He said you could not get by the guy. And and uh they were doing uh you know, he's been on local radio and they've been doing some interviews with uh, with Alan Fanica and, and there was a quote, I'm I'm paraphrasing the quote here, but on that seventy five yard touchdown run by Willie Parker in the Super Bowl against the Seahawks, Fanica said, I knew we had them. 
I finished my block as quickly as I could so I could turn around and watch him take it to the house. Like he knew, like when you're, when, you know, when you play the game that long, you know, when a, when a snap and you start into your play, you have a feeling what's going to happen. And he said, I turned around as fast as I could because I wanted to watch him go. Yep. <laughs> but, you know, congratulations to all the Hall of Fame nominees uh, they're going to combine this year's nominees with last year's. God only knows if there's going to be a Hall of Fame game. God only knows if there's going to be a preseason. But um, lots of Steelers, Bill Cower, Donnie Shell, Alan Fanica, and Bill Nunn uh, going in for the next induction ceremony. So uh, that ought to be a to lot of To join another bunch of Steelers already in. Yeah, a bunch. And for your Cowboys, Drew Pearson joining a bunch of Cowboys. Who yep. are in, uh, There's a bunch of both teams. There's yep. no doubt. A lot of Niners. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, um, you know, we'll have that to look forward to after the Super Bowl. We'll already be into the into the offseason. What's going to happen with free agency? Who's going to sign where? And I agree. I think the Steelers are going to maybe be a little bit more active in free agency than they normally are. Maybe see if they can. I, I think they're going to have to be. Yeah. Fill some of those holes uh, even before the draft. So. At least, if for no other reason, for some depth. Right. Some not big name free agents, but some veteran free agents, um, especially at running back. I wouldn't be shocked if they signed a swing tackle um, for for as little money as they could. That's just played a lot of games and they're not not drafting them to start. They're just in case. Right. I can't believe they let McGovern go this year. Yeah. Yep. I didn't think that was uh, I think that was a horrible move. But well, anyway, I, I was kind of yes, I think one of the things that hurt the Steelers this year is that they let Wisniewski go. And that's he, what, yeah, yeah, him. Yeah, him. And, yep. he, and he now he's starting in the Super Bowl today. Exactly. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I think that the offensive line has gone to hell in a handbasket ever since Mike Munchak walked away. But well, they did. But there's no way you can tell me that guys like Pouncey right. and DeCastro, they, they didn't just get all get old and can't and forgot how to play at the same time. Right. Villanueva. Right. I mean, they were they're a really good line two years ago. Right. Right. You can't tell me that another 30 games ended their all, all their careers ended. So it has to do with some maybe a scheme. Um, maybe the fact that you're throwing the ball way too much. Right. You know yeah, what I mean? It just, it's hard to pass protect in the NFL when they know you're passing. Well, and two, uh, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm kind of blanking out on who said it, but I was hearing an interview and in, in kind of along those lines of what you're saying. It's like, it's kind of hard to run block when you're passing 80% of the time. And, and you know, and when they did run the ball, it was all in the first 10 minutes of the game. Yeah. If then they know, quit and then they'd quit. Right. So, I, I, When's the last time you remember seeing Pittsburgh run a draw play on third and six or third and five? It was actually it was, empty and doing little four yard slants. It was the actually you, the it was actually the Indianapolis game on that only long run that James Conner had toward the end of the game. Exactly to burn off right, the clock. and it worked. Then it worked. Yeah, it worked because they were expecting pass. Uh, Connor was in the backfield, if I'm not mistaken, in what would look like a pass protection scheme. And Ben went back and they drew it to him and he ripped off 13 to 15 yards. So, yeah. you know, I they don't didn't know. do it nearly enough. No, no, not. And nearly they will enough. do it more under Canada. Yeah, they will. They will. And you're going to see a lot more motion. You're going to see a lot more chase Claypool sweeps. You're going to see jet sweeps. You're going to see things that are going to try to keep the defense honest because Pittsburgh had the most 
uh, predictable offense toward the end of the year in NFL history. Like yeah, and that was said by do. defensive players. Right, exactly. They knew exactly what we were going to do. They said exactly. we knew it had to be one or two plays, and they were both going to the same side. Right, exactly, exactly. So, well, you know, we're here with Super Bowl Sunday. Let's talk a little bit about, like, how have these playoffs played out in your mind? Is this what you expected? I know on the AFC side, this is what I expected. but Yes, except for I didn't think Tampa could beat Green Bay in Green Bay. Yeah. I was shocked at how good their defense shut them down. But again, um, Aaron Jones was out for Green Bay early with an injury. Right. Totally made a big difference because they kind of pulled a Pittsburgh and quit running the ball. Right. Um, right. My only concern today about Tampa is with Kansas City's left tackle being out, Fisher. Right. Tampa has a good pass rush with Sue in their ends. They don't need to bring five to get pressure. Yeah. So – the trick is going to be when you rush Kansas City, are you going to do it controlled rush where you keep him in the pocket or are you going to come flying off the end where Mahomes steps up, gets outside, and throws it either hand? That's the thing with Mahomes being able to extend plays. And that's why you know, I'm picking it, the Chiefs. Yeah. I think he's going to have a tough time. I think it's going to be low scoring at first. but And remember, these two teams played this, or already once this year. Right, right. And there is nobody – and I mean nobody on Tampa's defense that could guard Hill. Nobody. No, there's no one. He, had, he damn near had 200 yards. Did, are there safety? Are there safeties back for this game? Both yes. of them. Okay, okay, because I knew they were hurt, and there was some question about that. And uh, yeah, but but, but when you got when you got Kelsey, he had, he had 186 yards receiving. Yeah, yeah. I, I right. So, and I don't think he had many big bombs like 80 yard touchdowns. He just 15, 20 yardered him to death. Right. Exactly. So and it, I don't know how that's going to change. Now, maybe you get a little more pressure on where Mahomes can get rid of it. But again, if you come up those ends, get too far up uh, up the field, Mahomes yeah. is going to slide up and hit somebody. Right, or else he's going to take off with it and 25 yards down the field, he's running out of bounds or sliding. Now, getting... I do expect them to try to double-team Hill a little more this game because he had such a big game last time. Right. Good for you. Who's doubled? Can't double him and Kelsey. Right. Exactly. And Kelsey, and I think Kelsey's going to have a big game. I think Kelsey's going to have a big game. And if you do try to take them both out, you know what happens? That means your linebackers, there's nobody to get the dump down to Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, or whoever else he's dumping it down with. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I, I think Tampa is going to shock some people about keeping it close, but uh, I, I don't yeah. think there's any way they win this game. And I don't know if there's any way they keep it within I'm going to say double digits. I, I think Kansas City wins by 13 or more. Um, teams that were in the playoffs that you looked at in their performance and you said, yeah, this team's going to be back next year in the next couple of years, and they might be a team that eventually could beat a Kansas City or beat a Tampa Bay or end up representing their conference in the Super Bowl. Was there any? Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah, I was thinking along the same lines. Buffalo. Um, I think it, now there's some good teams good teams that are a couple players away or maybe some growth from their quarterbacks. You got to watch Miami. Mm -hmm. Miami's got a lot of good talent on their team with a young quarterback that doesn't get it yet. Right. Um, the Titans are close the way they coach, the way they run the ball mm -hmm. and then play action pass. Green Bay is going to be good as long as Rogers is there. Right. 
So, again, it's not easy getting to the Super Bowl. What about so, the AFC North, Baltimore and Cleveland? Like what, you know, I don't. Um, I think Cleveland had a year for the ages this year. I think they outperformed their I don't think they're as good as their record was or as far as they went. Um, I think the, I think they both have flaws. I think mm-hmm. Cleveland is good if they're leading the game where they can play action pass. He can, I don't, he's no good if he's not And Baltimore, if they get behind, you can't let him, you can't let him pass 30 times in a game. Right. Right. So, so they both have flaws. You can beat them both. Where does, where does Deshaun Watson end up? I think he stays in Houston simply because really? they're not going to trade him. I don't think he's going to be happy about it. Yeah. But you know what's going to – the next one's going to be Carson Wentz is going to be dealt. Right, right. And when you look at the package that they got for uh, Matt – For Matt Stafford. Uh, for Matt Stafford. The guy – yeah. what's his face? Yeah, Detroit. Matt Stafford. And if he gets – if they get – if Philadelphia gets a haul like three number ones or whatever the hell it is. Right. Um, I don't know what to tell you, but – who, where is he going to go? Did the Steelers, do you agree with, with others that them just going ahead and signing uh, Dwayne Haskins for the league minimum was a low risk, high reward move? No, I don't think there's any reward. Yeah. He's an Ohio state quarterback that came out way too early, just like they all do. Yep. Uh, and he was, he was, he can throw the ball. He, he, he can, but you know, my role in looking at quarterbacks coming out of the draft, I need you to play three or four years. Right. I need a certain amount of games started in college before you can even begin to be thought of. That's why I didn't like Sam Darnold coming out. I told you that right now he's a little better than I thought, but he didn't have enough games under his belt. I don't think he had enough NFL throws. He didn't see every defense that these NFL coordinators come up with. He wasn't used to the speed. Right. So who's your favorite quarterback coming out of the draft this year? Who's who's the one you look at and say, this guy's got a huge um, uh, amount of tape. He played in a lot of games. Who, who, who are you? It's taking? obviously Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. But is there, is there a, a one B? Well, I like fields uh-huh. again, but he hasn't started enough games for me. Right. Um, the only thing that's different about fields is he's a thrower. He's a passer. Ohio state's been doing third down quarterback draws for 15 years and no one could stop it. Right. They draft quarterbacks that can run the ball. And then once you suck up to stop the run, then they got wide open receivers that I could throw a nerf ball to. (laughs) That's what they've left. And they've always had NFL offensive linemen to protect them. Right. And good running back, Ezekiel Elliott, then Dobbins. And they just keep reloading at running back. That's fine. It's all fine and dandy. The difference is Fields is he's not the quarterback draw guy that they've had. He actually, excuse me, throws the ball down the field. Right, right. And I like him. Um, I like his decision making. You just look at the game that, um, again, that he played the, the last couple playoff games. The kid plays hurt. That mm-hmm. kid shouldn't even have been playing the second half of that game that game right right um when he got his leg ripped up or his knee or whatever the hell he got hurt um his shoulder something his ribs it was his ribs right right? it was his ribs he took a big hit yeah he did that kid got thrown out for targeting for clemson i think it was yeah i'm still but they destroyed i'm still questioning that that call no i i didn't mind the hit i didn't mind the call um he lowered his helmet to make a hit and that's what they're trying to get out of the game i'm surprised that linebacker didn't get hurt 
broke his yeah, neck. Yeah, that's true. The bottom line is, I those two are both. Uh, if they're not, I'd be surprised if anyone took Fields over Lawrence. But they're definitely one and one B. I don't think, I don't think looking at tape's going to help. But I, I definitely think Lawrence playing in the SEC and against some of those defenses, I've seen pretty much all. I've been starting since a freshman. Uh, I don't think you you have to take them number one. Right. Right. And who is it? Jacksonville with the who, who's got Jacksonville. The first pick Jacksonville has the first pick. Yeah. And you know what that means, right? Urban has the first urban pick. has the first pick. So yeah. I think he's going to take now, Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> or is he going to take his Ohio State buddy Fields? I don't know. I still think he takes Trevor Lawrence. I think you have to. Yeah. Yeah. I think you have to. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that the whole NFL scouting thing is going to be fun to watch. Um, there's always a couple people that I get out of the woodwork that people love that I don't. And then people don't that I do. And I tell you them every year and I miss a couple. Um, but I told you, what did I tell you last year? The first the rugs out of Alabama mm-hmm. hated that pick. Right. Especially when they had the two of the other, they had uh, lamb and kid from Oklahoma. Yeah. They had CD lamb and, um, I can't think of who it was, yeah. but they're both on the board. And I, for, they took runs, right? Who ran a blazing forty. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. He didn't go routes. Yeah, I didn't like him. As as Tomlin as Tomlin would say, he was a one trick pony. That's exactly yeah. what he was. I'm gonna try to keep my phone from Buzzy. There's some. I don't know if you can hear it dinging every three seconds. There's some thread that. Keeps they keep talking. <laughs> I can't turn it. I don't know how to get to it and turn it off yet. Well, we we kept on in our household for some reason. We kept on getting scam calls the other night from Erie, Pennsylvania, and it was like for a solid hour and a half, like yeah. every five minutes. Even though you your car warranty, you'd, you'd block that number, and then yeah. the next they, they need find they they just use a number that was one digit different, and found a way to call you again, you know. I block them remember. every time, and if it's not the car warranty, all of a sudden I'm some big winner from Marriott Rewards or whatever the hell it is, and I get a free stay in Kuala Lumpur. Well, yeah, well, no, I got I, I got one of those where they, they offered us four days and three nights in one of their resorts, but we had to put up with a two-hour timeshare presentation. Right. You know, that's, that's the you other pay for one. your airfare. Well, you know what? It's it Look— I, I know people that do that. They do that every year, and all they do is just say, no, I'm not getting a timeshare. No, thank you for your time. And then they, they go back, and they've got a, a gorgeous beachfront room or, a, or a, a room at the Mirage for like 250 bucks and yep. have a ball. You know, like, well, yeah. good on them. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I just don't want to be annoyed for two hours. That's the thing. I don't, like, that's two hours out of my life I don't want to give up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You'd send your wife and just go sit through this and do do whatever the hell you do. Knit, play cards, whatever. <laughs> well, hey, uh, uh, let's talk a little bit. Before we go back to football, before we wrap up with the Super Bowl, let's talk a little bit of Penguins hockey because the NHL the NHL got rolling here. And the, um, you know, the Penguins, look, inconsistent up and down so far. Uh, not too surprised, but I think – where people are a little bit surprised is how weak the goaltending has been so far this year. Um, you know, Jari has not had a good start to his season at all. And 
And actually, well, DeSmith has outplayed him a little bit at times, but, you know, it, it's just been, and p- plus the way they have the schedule set up, these back, you know, playing the same team twice, you know. I think that set. has something to do with it. Yeah. I do think that has something to do. But look, once again, in the history of the NHL, I cannot believe the amount of injuries on one hockey team all in the same position as the Penguins last year. Yeah. And now their defensemen are all hurt. Yep. Or COVID or whatever. And I'm going to tell you right now, Marino does not look this year like he did last year. No. For whatever reason, he's starting to play a little better. But I, I continue to say it, and you've heard me say it for four years now. Right. Malkin is not helping. He's not no, helping the power play. He's not. He's throwing the puck. Every time he makes a pass, it's to the wrong color jersey. I think he's got cataracts at his do, age now. Do you think Do you think Rutherford wanted to trade Malkin or Latang or both, and Lemieux said no, and that hastened his departure? I don't know if he was the guy, but I definitely think there's some friction about the moves that Rutherford was going to make. And here's what I would say to that. I hope Rutherford, what is he, 77 years old yeah, now? Yeah, he's... I hope he I hope he goes somewhere mm-hmm. and gets that team and to beat Pittsburgh in the playoffs in the, in the final thing <laughs> because he was better at his job than the coach or the owner of the Penguins are at their job. Right. He has been the best general manager in hockey for decades. Right. Say what you want. Right. The guy, every time he made a trade, 99.9% of the time it happened. It right. worked. Right. 99% and now, of the time. And now the name at the top of the rumor mill to replace him is a, is a former flyer goaltender, Ron Hextall. Hextall. Yeah. Yep. But here's the problem with Hextall. Hextall is about the most patient general manager on the planet. Yeah. He will wait for the draft picks before he makes any trades to see if the guys they picked pan out. Trust me. I'm a flyer guy. Yeah, I know. That's I've why I'm asking it. you. Very, very patient. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh's not in a dynasty mode. Pittsburgh is in a hurry up and win another cup before Sid and Malkin and the boys move on. Right, right. I think it would be a horrible clash of styles Yeah, to hire Hextall uh, just because he's so patient. Rutherford, uh, Rutherford would trade his wife and kids for the summer <laughs> if he could have one good weekend with a stripper. I'm telling you, the guy, he just, he knew what he was doing. He knew what the Penguins needed. He understood the right-handed defenseman, the left-handed defenseman. Right. Um, he understood where you needed the speed. He understood these are the same guy. Let's get rid of the one with a higher contract and bring this kid up. It's the same player. I'll right. take the less money to save on salary cap so we can go get somebody at the break. Right. Um, I don't think Pittsburgh's good enough to win the cup this year. Uh, no, no. But I certainly think they're a playoff team, um, and I, I, I think they're being stubborn by keeping Malkin on the power play. I didn't look at the plus minuses. I don't look at any of that stuff. But all I can tell you is when I watch the game, I see more bad passes and lackluster performance from Malkin than right. I do good hockey plays from Malkin. Right. And also, I don't think Sid's playing. He's not playing great. No, he's not. But you you mentioned it. The way they got the schedule set up, it's it's 
might take teams a while to get used to. I, I, you know, and going back to Jari, I think this, the Penguins made the right move in, in trading off too. Matt Murray, because if you look at Murray's stats so far with the senators this year, nine games played, he's two and five with a four one Oh goals against average. So, you know, now granted you could say, well, the, you know, the, the senators are a dumpster fire and, you know, maybe he doesn't have a, uh, have any defensemen in front of him that are giving him any help. I got news for you. The defensemen for the Penguins aren't doing any favors to Jari or to Smith either. They're not. So, um, you know, I even, I was watching the game, um, the Islanders game the other night, and Jesus, you know, it's like the defensemen aren't even like trying to clear guys out in front of the net. And you had Islanders just parking their ass right in front of your goaltender. And what's going to happen? They're going to give up goals. There's only so much a goaltender can do. So I, I do one. I'm. I would love to have Jim Rutherford on the podcast to interview him to really ask him and get some truth serum in him. Why he thought he needed to get rid of Hornquist, because that net front presence they didn't replace that net front presence that they had with him. And no, he's 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 having a hell of a season so far, you know. Yeah, I I don't know. Maybe change of scenery helps Hornquist. Yeah, I, I don't know either. But they like the kid. Who's the real skinny kid that Kapanen, they brought up? Kapanen. Uh, what? Oh no, that was the guy they brought back. They brought back. Kapanen. Yeah, that's the three name kid, the young yeah, kid. Yeah, the, the, he's a defenseman. He's a defenseman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think they expected a lot from that kid, and they thought they had some expendable people back there, but. Um, and I honestly, I don't think he's played badly now that he's been playing up there, but I don't think you can have subpar performances from both Sid Malkin and their defenseman Marino right? all at the same time and expect to be, you know, tied for first place, but Pierre Olivier Smith, jo- uh, I'm sorry, J- Joseph, Pierre Olivier Joseph. Joseph. Yeah. Pierre yeah. Joseph. Yeah. That's it. He's a guy. So and I think he's going to be good. I I, I do too. I, I think he's going to be really good. Um. So I don't know. I long the season as the season goes, they might gel a little bit. They still. I think they're still juggling lineups, except for the spot where they should juggle it, which is on the power play. Right. Because when you're doing this back-to-back games and you play the Flyers two in a row, then you turn around and play the Islanders and the Rangers and the Capitals two away. You're going to get more penalties because people are going to get frustrated playing against guys and teams they don't like. So this year, more than any, you have to have a power play and be able to kill the power play because people, when you play the same people and you don't like that team like the Flyers, there's going to be more penalties than there usually is because, my God, you just saw them last game. And you got that when the guy pissed you off in the first game and he's coming back two nights later. Right. You're still mad at him. Well, in that in their division right now, no surprise, the Bruins are in first place with 18 points, followed by the Flyers with 16, the Capitals with 15 and then the Penguins with 11. So the Capitals, the third place team is four points clear of the Penguins. But then behind the Penguins are the four teams and they have 10 points. They're only one point behind. So in reality, the Penguins are only one point out of being in last place. Yes. You know, and, and they have a 500 record. So, um, and look, you know, even those teams behind them, the Devils, the Islanders, the Rangers, and the Sabres, uh, Islanders, Rangers, and Sabres have one less game 
than the Penguins do. The Devils have two less games than the Penguins do. And and, the, and they were supposed to play the Penguins two games here, but COVID hit, uh, hit the Devils, and they had to postpone those games. So <clears throat> who the hell knows how this is going to play out? Um, I, I think this is going to be another screwy season like what we had last year. And, you know, for a team like you mentioned, the Penguins who are in kind of <clears throat> win-now mode, uh, because Sid, Sid and Malkin and Latang are all aren't, aren't getting any younger. Um, it's a bad situation for them that you don't have like a normal, you don't have your normal rest. You don't have your normal rotation. You got to do some extra work to figure out who's going to be your goaltender. Um, it's just not a great situation to be in, but you know, and then you got a team like the, like the Bruins are just absolutely loaded. Um, you know, even without Zdeno Chara, um, you know, and they're just they're just mowing along. Although the Penguins did get you know two points out of that two game series with, with Boston. Still, uh, this this new division the way they have it lined up is kind of a murderer's row to have. To it play is, against. and it's the toughest one. But yep. when you watch, when you watch Boston play, yeah, you can count on one hand how many bad passes they have in the entire game. Yep, I can count on one hand how many Malkin has in the first period. Yep, I know. You're right. Um, he's been got he's. So frustrating for me to watch because I told you four years ago, get rid of him when he's hot. Right. And that probably was a little early. Mm-hmm. Uh, he still had a couple good years. Um, but I'm not, I'm not a Malkin fan. Uh, you know that right. he just continued to infuriate me trying to watch him play. So um, we have, we have a few minutes. I, I, I have a little bit of a rant here because I'm beginning to wonder after watching um, the signings of the Dodgers and the other uh, richest teams in baseball and looking at the Pirates who are going to have a annual payroll, I think, of less than $40 million. Yeah, it's 30-something. It's 38 million, right? Yeah, they're saying probably it'll hit around 38. But when you now have the Dodgers that are paying players more for one season than than the pirates are paying for their whole team. I'm sorry, man. And and people can write and say, you know, you're just bitching because you have a small market team. I'm sorry, this this the system's broken. I, I you know, I, I used to I, I used to love baseball. I loved baseball. And I just I don't love it as much anymore. Because it, it's it's unwatchable and how you know what what's the What's the Dodgers? Is it two hundred and thirty-eight million dollars or something like that? Their, 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 their payroll is this year. I mean, it's just how are you supposed to compete against that? Well, I I definitely think you need some type of cap, but more importantly, I think you need a floor. Yeah, I agree. I think you need to say, you need to sign. You, you got to have a fifty million dollar payroll. Blah blah blah. I don't know what the number would be and I don't know how they would roll it because then you have to sign somebody that's no good who had a shitty contract two years ago with some other team. I I don't know the answer. All I know is when you look at the Dodgers starting five pitching staff, (laughs) now that they ordered, they have Trevor Bauer, Trevor um, Bauer and you got Kershaw. Good God. And Kershaw will probably be their fourth starter this year. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. it's baseball's broke. It's been broke for several years. Um, right. I did. I was surprised to see he's at the payroll for the dog that Trevor Bauer just got. His salary is more than three teams. And one of them was the Indians. Yeah. Yeah. I was shocked because they're still competitive. Right. 
Right. Although but, they're getting rid of Lindor. But sometimes, look, sometimes you've, you, you know, I, I look back on those three years that the Pirates made the wild card. And I think what, what really happened was they kind of got lucky. You know, where they didn't really change what they did, but, you know, some of these players that they drafted and who drafted before Huntington came on board, they panned out. Andrew McCutcheon was a superstar. Sterling Marte had good years. You know, you had Polanco Pedro Alvarez. Was actually good. Pa- 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 yeah, Polanco early on was good. <clears throat> you had a, you had a pretty solid uh, pitching staff. You know, you, but, but it, it really showed Pirates are only able to go so far. And what what really showed to me is that ownership and management did not make the blockbuster trade to to really get them over the top. Now, speaking of trades, I st- I'm and now that Chris Archer has re-signed with the Tampa Bay Rays, I was going to say <clears throat> Archer was it, a big blockbuster it, yeah, trade. Yeah, and I will tell you this: uh, th- I am putting it down right now. Mark it down. That is not the worst trade in baseball history. It's the worst trade in sports history. Period. End of sentence. And there's, I don't know if there's any more close except for when um, uh, Babe Ruth, when Babe, well, that's close, but but I don't even know how close that, but I'll say this. Maybe when Babe Ruth was traded from the Red Sox to the Yankees for the rights to a Broadway play or a musical or whatever that was. Broadway musical and a steak dinner. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that was the worst trade, but in modern times, in modern baseball for sure, that was absolutely by far the worst trade in baseball history. By far, I mean, well, as it turns out, it might be. But I remember there was a lot of people in Pittsburgh that were happy at the time. I wasn't. I wasn't. Ha- I mean, of, I wasn't. I wasn't. A lot wasn't, of people were. Chris Archer was the biggest name out there. Yeah, but you know what? For what they, run. if they, if they told me you can get Chris Archer, but you have to give up this, I'd have said no freaking way, no way. That- that was Meadows in uh, the pitcher. Yeah. Gorzolani, uh What the hell was his no, name? No, no. It was um, the hard throwing. Yeah. It, hold on one second. I'll pull it up. Because I, I, yeah, there were a was, lot of. It, Austin Meadows. Austin Meadows. That was. That was. But like remember, Clint Hurdle wouldn't play him anyway. Right. Clint Hurdle put him on the bench after five games and he looked great. Yeah. Played good defense, fast as shit, hit the ball. Clint Hurdle put him back on the bench as a pinch hitter. Yeah, it was um, okay. So they traded. They sent Tyler Glass now and Austin Glass now. Glass now, who yeah. who had a who's just pitching unbelievable, and Austin Meadows who became an all star. And, <laughs> and now they and now the guy that they traded him for. Is back yeah, on that because it's the, the Pirates released him because they didn't want to pay him, and 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 that's what this all comes down to. Like they they unloaded they they're you know they brought in new management, but it's the same process. They're unloading everybody that cost them more than a dime. Okay, and 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 my point was that I posted on Twitter. I'm like, you know, why don't you give yourself the lowest uh, payroll in history? Why don't you just go ahead and 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 you know, wave all of these players and bring your single A players up on league minimums and play them for the year. What the hell's the difference? Probably on the same amount of wins. Well, and and this is what I don't understand. I don't get it. Doesn't Major League Baseball look at the books and say, hey, Bob Nutting, through through, uh, sharing, through revenue sharing, through the luxury tax and all this bullshit, you're getting this much money from us 
And this is the amount of money you're spending. And this is the amount of money you're pocketing. And it doesn't there come a time when Major League Baseball steps in and says, no, you know, they did it with the Marlins back in the day. They forced them to sell. But yeah, what what naked pictures does Bob Nutting have of people in Major League Baseball? I don't know, but you can't tell any business owner how to run his business. I get it. But that's why baseball is broken. Because when you're when you're Been broken, yeah, and it, when you're in the NFL, you have a salary cap, right? In the NHL, you have a salary cap. So I think about NFL teams that can go from worst to first in a year if they make the right moves. Because what it does is it challenges your management to make the right moves, or else you're screwed. Okay, and, and then you like see, the movie Moneyball, exactly. Exactly. You got to get the right first baseman that's making less than three million a year. Exactly. Exactly. Even if it's Scott Hatterberg who can't throw anymore. Right. (laughs) Which, uh, by the way, if anybody hasn't seen that movie, that's a great movie. And I actually got, I actually, uh, I've, I've, I've watched some speeches of Billy Beans, and he's he's really, really impressive. But, you know, the, 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 the A's reacted to the environment of baseball as they should have. And they're still a small market team. And they're still competitive. They and they're won still the competitive. They're in the playoffs last year. Right. How many years? I mean, <clears throat> if the Pirates made all the right moves right now based on their salary, their salary situation, or what I call the nutting cap, which, you know, he gives the general manager a piece of paper that says $40 million and you can't go over it because I need to buy a new yacht. I need to get new snowmakers for seven springs. And I got to have some money for my daughters to go play. You know, so besides that, like if if the Pirates can make the moves, can they win, get into a window where they win two or three years in a row again? Sure, I guess. But no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, be, they're devoid of talent. We're, no, we're I mean, how the, many years would it take? That's the thing. If he had to start now and he made all the right moves, it's going to take several years. Several six, years. Seven. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the kids that he got in these trades for Bell and – you know, getting rid of some of their higher price guys that they could, it's going to take them. They're all young. It's going to take them three, four years to get through the system. Yeah. And even if they and draft they all guys, have to, they all have to hit. If they draft the number one pitcher in the draft this year, you know, like, okay, how many years is it going to take him to move up? You know, the pirates, Two, three. <clears throat> the pirates love to hold on to these guys in minor leagues. So they get more years of control. They like you know? to keep them for five. Right. Yep. Exactly. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, I'm done. So let's let's. So here we are, Super Bowl Sunday, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Kansas City Chiefs. The spread's still three. Yes. Okay. Chiefs by three. <laughs> that's my official pick. I bet okay. it, so I'm allowed to say it. All right, and we'll be posting that on our Twitter page, uh, Basement Sports Podcast. Uh, so we're picking the Chiefs. We're laying the three, um, and we'll certainly be back on to talk about how that fared. But again. After the Super Bowl, it's fun time, man. We start to talk about free agency. We start to talk about the draft. Duty is the biggest draft nerd I've ever seen geek. in my life. Absolute geek. geek. And, yeah, I and... got pages and pages of shit laying around the house. <laughs> so and before we go, however, yeah. you forgot to mention one very important thing let's, on this cast. Let's go. Near and dear to your heart, I cannot believe you didn't say it. Let's hear it. The pit basketball team. Well, we, you know, 
we're gonna have a we're gonna have a podcast. I'm inviting Jordan Klein to come on and join us just to talk about pit basketball. And <clears throat> I I I I know a a Virginia Tech fan who was none too happy about the Panthers beating the Hokies the other night. I was a whooping. And uh, the complaint was Jeff Capel learned how to work the officials like his boss did at Duke. <laughs> that's where he learned it from. That's why you hire him. Yeah, exactly. You work the. That's it what, it that's, didn't work against Virginia. So no, no. Someone played better. One team played better than the other. Yeah, but I, but one one thing, I'll tell you what, Justin Champagne is the real deal. He's crazy. He's, he's, he's really The only crazy. reason I brought this up is yeah. Pitt's actually fun to watch again. Yeah, they are. They play good defense. And that Champagne kid is worth watching the I, whole game. I remember going with you to the Pete to watch. This was when Dewan Blair was there. You and yeah. I went to watch him play Syracuse. Yeah. And there wasn't a better ticket in sports in Pittsburgh at that time. And there, there can wasn't. you imagine this team now if the zoo was allowed to be packed? But yeah. They're beating – they're beating good teams. They're yeah, beating they Dukes are. and Syracuse's and Virginia Techs. Yeah, but they're also losing to Notre Dame and they're losing to Wake Forest. And but they're doing what a young team does, you know, right. a developing program. But somebody brought it up on Twitter the other day, like you know, because people, of course, Pitt fans are Pitt fans and they bitch and moan about anything. And the thing is, you know, somebody brought up the point is like, hey, the Panthers have more wins in the ACC this year than they've had in the last three years combined. Absolutely. So quit, so quit your bitching, you know. And they're fun to watch. Like yeah. I said, they're actually fun to watch. They are. They're a lot of fun to watch. A lot of fun to watch. So we will. We're going to try to get Jordan on the podcast. See if we can do an hour filling with uh, pit basketball. Other topics we're going to have. Uh, possibly getting some some roundtable people on. I want to go like individual football teams recruiting. So might get Wayne Wagner on to talk Penn State football, their recruiting class, maybe Billy Stahl to get on to talk about Pitt's recruiting class. Um, you know, we got a lot to talk about, even though football season's over, we can still talk football, college and pro. So we're going to have a really, really busy few weeks here uh, on the podcast. And hey, as we always ask you, send us an email, basementsportspodcast at gmail.com, basementsportspodcast at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts, your criticisms. You can also post that on Twitter. Um, we will respond, you know, if you have something you want to say, we'll, we'll respond unless you're a complete, you know, unless it's just off the wall and dumb and may not then reply to respond. Yeah. Then the duty will respond. But, <clears throat> you know, uh, as always, make sure to check us out on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio. We'll be on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, we'll be posting, uh, we'll be posting the podcast there. Duty, anything else before we wrap up here and get prepared for the Super Bowl? No, just uh, get your favorite uh, Super Bowl food ordered. Probably going to take a while to get delivered. Your wings, your pizza, whatever the hell you like. Um, sit back and watch two really good quarterbacks. Might be the last time you see a match I like this in a while. Yep, absolutely. All right, everybody, check us out online. Good talking to you. Take care. Bye. Bye.